1: Happy Top 5 Tuesday to everyone in the sports universe. It is October the 11th, 2022. This is the AM Drive on our Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook pages. For Aaron Crouch, who will be back tomorrow once again, and Sammy Action, who joins us every Monday, including yesterday, I am your Top 5 Tuesday host, Michael Carvelis. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, good morning to all. I hope your Monday went well, and I hope you enjoyed the game last night. The first part of our show is brought to you by our website, mikeandarondrive.com. Go there to see our sponsors, shop, social media, and YouTube all in one place. It's the easiest way to support and view our show. And our shop is offering free shipping this week that expires Saturday, October the 15th. Enter the code in all caps, TUCKER9. That's T-U-C-K-E-R and the number nine for free shipping on our shop. Monday Night Football last night, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Las Vegas Raiders 30-29. to this, of course, after the Chiefs trailed early, seventeen to nothing. Now, this was in my AM Drive five, and it capped off a pretty brutal week for myself and Aaron. For those who do not know, every Friday, the AM Drive features our five best bets for the football weekend on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So we combine college and NFL, either spread, total, and we got even props. Well, my prop didn't hit of Kenny Pickett's rushing total. He got one hit on by a Bills defender and never tried to run the ball again. Um, I had the Chiefs minus seven and a half, I believe. And that was also just horrible because they were they were trailing for much of this game. But it's interesting how well Patrick Mahomes did when trailing once again. And without getting too far ahead of myself, the Chiefs play the Bills next week. And one thing the Bills know more than anybody is how quickly the Chiefs can come back, considering they came back in 13 seconds for a field goal last year in the AFC Divisional round. But this game, Raiders had played it perfectly. It looked incredible. I mean, they could do no wrong. Josh Jacobs was running the ball, controlling the clock. Derek Carr was making enough throws. Devontae Adams, who I'll get to in just a little bit. They were just fantastic for a long time. And then Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey happened, and Andy Reid. Now, the big story of this game, of course, is Travis Kelsey had like 25 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns, which is absolutely insane. No one had ever had more than three touchdowns as a skilled position player in Monday Night Football history. For what that's worth, I don't know. But it's really insane how on the goal line, these guys could not be stopped. And a lot of people give credit to Travis Kelsey. But I feel like it actually hinders his his um ability as the greatest tight end ever. His argument, even though I do think he's up there, it hinders it because he's always wide open in the end zone. Like I don't know how they scheme these things. They probably do some illegal picks or whatever. Well, the, the the thing where the receivers cross each other technically and, and stifle up the the defensive backs, which also I'll get to in a little bit. But it's interesting because I'm sitting here. Watching this, and and the Raiders just couldn't stop it. They could not stop it. And I believe this goes all the credit to the relationship Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have. I believe you could put any tight end in that situation, and I'll be honest, I think they're going to be open every time. Because not like, I mean, yeah, Travis Kelsey makes some good one-on-one catches, but there are multiple times where he's just wide open, and it's Mahomes making magic out of an Andy Reid playbook. It's absolutely insanity. It cannot be taught. Those two, quarterback and coach, obviously have an insane, I use that word like four times or anything, the word insane. They've got an amazing amount of chemistry and they work together so well. Andy Reid makes Mahomes better. Mahomes does the same for Andy Reid. That being said, Josh McDaniels, um, he went for two. Remember, this after Surrenderer's 17 to nothing lead. Josh McDaniels, whose team started 0-3 it was coming off their first win in which they beat the almighty Broncos. <sighs> well, Josh McDaniels, when the game was 29-30, to I'm thinking we're going to overtime. I really did. I thought we were going to overtime. And wouldn't you know it, Josh McDaniels calls the two-point conversion. Now, Derek Carr's pumping his fist as Josh plows in, and immediately I'm like, I don't think he got it. And he didn't. He was well- a good half-yard short, if not a yard short, of what he needed to do. Chris Jones made an incredible tackle in all that ruckus of the goal line. But I keep saying, Josh McDaniels is not a good coach. We've seen this with the Broncos. I'm actually glad at this point that the Colts did not hire Josh McDaniels. You remember that night when McDaniels was supposed to be a Colts, and it was supposed to change the culture with the Colts and Andrew Luck was supposed to have this offensive genius? Yeah, that all bunch of genius kind of stinks. And then we get to Devontae Adams, who did the stupidest of things, especially after a national nationally televised game. Devontae Adams, after him and Hunter Renfro got banged up, I don't know why Renfro was trending on Twitter, being crucified, because it's not only his fault the play bogged down, and him and that was just a poorly designed play. The timing was terrible. They obviously were not ready for that play, and Chiefs obviously were. And Adams and Renfro fall down. So at the end, oh, and also Adams was was really ticked off because he thought he made a great catch. And I don't know if um Devontae Adams knows the rules or not. But Devontae Adams literally was juggling that ball, and then his his left toe came up, and he only had one foot in bounds. Now I'm of the belief, like full disclosure, I believe that the there should only be a one-foot rule in the NFL. I know I can get a little bit dicey at times, but if you've got control, there is no reason why I have to put a second foot down. Like, that's the catch, in my opinion. I understand it kind of takes away the out-of-bounds aspect, but if I'm in bounds, like, if one part of my body is in bounds, like, I believe if, if an elbow hits, you're good. If your back hits, you're good. If your head hits, you're good, but why not your second why not only one foot? That doesn't make any sense to me. And again, maybe it can be explained to me in a way that'll make it seem like it's normal, like it would prevent some stupid things from happening. But I have a hard time believing that that wasn't a catch. And although by the rule book in 2022, it's not a catch, I see where Adams, where Devontae is, is not happy. Because he obviously, will, I mean, that's in bounds. Yeah, he, he juggled it and didn't get the, the second footing officially. But that was a really good athletic play. He was obviously not happy, and kind of rightfully so, I guess. But afterwards, Devontae Adams, to the point I'm making, is he is walking towards the tunnel. Cameraman is right there trying to show his frustrated face because that's his job. And Devontae Adams' job is to take it and not give a crap what a cameraman is doing. And he shoves him so hard, the cameraman falls back with his hundreds of a thousand dollar equipment. And then afterwards, Devontae Adams' apology was so stupid and so lifeless. I'm not one to be the apology police here, or the I'm sorry FBI. But Devontae Adams said about three times in his post-game interview, although he did say it first, oh, I just want to say, you know, the guy that got in my way, I didn't mean to push him. I was frustrated. The guy that got in my way, I should have done it. But, he, I mean, he got in my way. Why, why are you saying he got in your way, pal? Even the replay barely shows that. And let's say, for the sake of argument, there's a cameraman in an NFL player's face. Is that taboo all of a sudden? No. The only people who think it's taboo are Raiders and Devontae Adams fans. And I'm here to tell you, they deal with that 24-7. I know for some reason the Raiders hate the Chiefs. I've never understood that concept. Why? Like Chiefs are their daddies, their fathers, their uncles. They are their grandfathers. The Raiders do not come close. This was the first close game, and even then the Raiders self-destructed. But this notion that Devontae Adams thought this guy got in his way, that's an issue. issue. If we don't see a $500,000 or more fine, I want Devontae Adams suspended for that. That, Literally, if the cameraman wanted to, and you can read the internet, they always say, oh, that's assault. I don't know if it's assault, but it's something like Simple Battery or something when, you, when you're in public and you shove someone and they fall back. They, it's like, I don't want to go here. It's like a sexual harassment thing. It's up to the victim whether or not they believe that, that that's the case. Like, I've always said because I'm ugly, I get it more than others. But anyways, let's see I go out there and, and, and shove somebody and they take exception to the point they call police. I'm in the wrong either way. But if, if they want to fight back, all of a sudden you're know, both in the wrong. But it's up to them to decide that if I'm a cameraman, I am not. I don't care if they find out my name and my address. I'm, I'm pressing charges on Devontae Adams. I'm doing my job, and I'm supposed to be away from the idiot fans who would do that crap, and you hear Devontae Adams is doing it himself. I'm sorry, but an apology and even a tweet afterwards that was more PR than anything. I wasn't a fan of that. And Devontae Adams has to know the lifestyle that he chose and one of them is cameras in your face. I don't think it's fair in, in regular life, but he signed up to be this person, and this is what he has to deal with. I'm sorry, Devontae Adams. That's what you chose. How about I, speaking of apologies? Let's get to the case of Draymond Green here. And as I wrap up this first segment here, I don't know what it is about Tuesdays, but there's always something I've got to rant on and leave it to Draymond Green who still has me blocked on Twitter, by the way, which <clears throat> one of my proudest accomplishments in my social media life, I don't know if it was Kevin Durant's verified account tweeting at me or like, me getting like a 300-reply firestorm of Kevin Durant fanboys, or was it Draymond Green and Montez Burfecht blocking me for calling them scumbag and dirty players. I I tend to lean with Draymond Green and Montez Burfecht. So Draymond Green, of course, has always been a dirty player. Kicks guys in the groin. There's multiple videos of him doing this in in multiple basketball games. He's the one who kicked LeBron James in the finals, and Warriors fans cannot stand because they think if Draymond plays, but that's a whole other story. But Draymond Green, there was a report that came in, I believe it was Thursday, and there was a – I I remember initially reading the reports, and I'm not going to be the, oh, the video makes it worse kind of guy, because I get it it does, but let's be real here. The initial report was a physical altercation between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, and it will result in in in-house discipline. That was what we were told by the Golden State Warriors and their PR and their sources, okay? That's what we were told as the public, a physical altercation that ended not so great, and Draymond Green is gonna be like dealt with internally. Okay. Pfft, brush that aside. Who gives a crap? Chemistry issues? Yeah, okay. And then we get to the point where TMZ, I love TMZ. Okay, I love and hate TMZ. Because on one hand, TMZ will show a bit or show Twitter a video of a guy laying in his own blood who's a rapper. But they'll they'll be for the first to show that. But then then occasionally they get the awesome, they get the awesome. Videos of this stuff, like with athletes. So I'm not a. I think TMZ is a little bit distasteful, but this right here, I'm glad they bought this video. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm sure the person asked for money in the end. Whoever leaked the video, but I, I'm pretty sure the person volunteered this though, pretty much. And like I said, they probably got paid because they realized they could get paid. But this video comes out, and it's horrible. Because, as you know, Draymond Green is talking crap to Jordan Poole. Draymond thinks about it, walks aggressively over, gets white right in it. Like, they're really touching heads. And Jordan Poole, yeah, he shoves him. Listen, I'm a Christian. I would shove someone if they got in my face. You're like, what are you supposed to do at that point, run? You're already standing away from him. Are you supposed to run again? People are like, oh, Jordan Poole should have punched him. No, he shouldn't have punched him. He he did a good thing by shoving him, like, what are you doing, pal? And then Draymond Green proceeds to lay him out. That was not what we were told to believe. And my favorite part of all of this is where where after the video comes out, then the Warriors come out and say they're going to do a full investigation internally to find out who leaked the video. Why? Talk about a poor PR move. You should you should not have lost. Like Wait, you're gonna fire the whole video team because someone wanted to tell the truth of what actually happened. Maybe they, like a lot of us, were kind of surprised at how stupid it sounded, a physical altercation. No, this was a this was assault. Like shoving somebody in and falling, yeah. But then Draymond Green completely punching a dude's lights out and then Wanting to attack him afterwards? Like, no one's even talking about the fact that Draymond Green continued to assault this man. Yeah, well, Jordan Poole was shooting afterwards. Okay? But someone obviously felt that this needed to be watched. And I fully support that decision. The Warriors were very, very quiet about this. And I feel like, I don't want to say this is true, because I don't believe Jordan Poole did this considering what he did afterwards, and... How much, how great of a teammate he's been, and how Steve Kerr has praised him. If I'm Jordan Poole, I would, I would leak the I would leak the video. Are you kidding me? Like, why would I read the report of a physical altercation, knowing I just got assaulted and then attacked afterwards? No, 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 no. Warriors should be ashamed. And it goes back to these organizations being these billionaire corporations, and you're, there's they're so shocked when sexual assault or violence pops up until a video comes out, then it's, oh, he'll leak the video. No, no, no. Why is your organization a cesspool of sin? That's what I want to know. You're not, I don't care if it's between two teammates on a sports team. I'm not being soft by saying that. And even Shannon Sharp said you don't do that stuff. Like Shannon Sharp was one of those outspoken biggest, like Ray Lewis type of team leaders. Those guys would never just punch someone's daylights out. And, okay, man, Ray Lewis was a bad example because he's been accused of murder. I understand that. But my point being, those guys wouldn't punch someone's daylights out. So why is Draymond getting a pass by about half the public for being just part of team sports? And you're soft. No, we're not soft. It's not just a physical altercation. that you got, like, annihilated. And that's an issue. And so Draymond Green ended up apologizing, obviously. I didn't watch the apology, so I'm not going to comment on it. All I know is that it seemed sincere. Well, great. Draymond's a good talker. Fantastic. I don't know. I mean, what are he supposed to do? No, I meant to hit him. Well, yeah, I doubt you did. Or I hope I hit him again. No. I mean, we know what Draymond's actually best case for me was what he did, which is what he said. I'm, I'm taking away time from the team. Now, I don't think that Draymond is the is the 100% decider of that. I almost feel like the Warriors made him take a, take a leave of absence for a few like days or weeks because Draymond's a competitor, and that I'll give him credit for. It. But after harping on that and how much of a scumbag he is, who is more valuable to the Warriors not just this year but moving forward? Folks, I'll say it. It's Tremont Green. And people like to – I understand Jordan Poole might end up being an, an, an insane uh, – I said the word insane again. He might be a generational-type talent. But haven't we seen the Warriors kind of grow that stuff on trees? Like, look what Andrew Wiggins just did when he joined the Golden State Warriors. Leandro Barbosa had a slight resurrection of his career. Andre Iguodala was barely playing with the Heat and then plays with the Warriors and looks like himself again. Like this team has a way of guys oh of having guys overachieve like a Draymond Green, actually. And I think Draymond's a dirty player. I don't think Draymond's a good basketball player. I think always talk of the, the little things he does. Half of that argument has got to be kicking people in the groin. Because that, that's let's a joke. Like the dude will literally make dirty plays. And that to me is where I draw the line. But that being said, by what the Warriors want to do, he's more valuable than Jordan Poole is. I did I say Jordan Poole's about a worse player? No, I think mean, Jordan Poole is 99 times better than than Draymond Green, and, and you can argue the the screens, man. Forget all that. You put them on a different team, Jordan Poole would be the easy would be the one to have success. Draymond might be finding a home after he got sent to a new team. So I think Draymond to the Warriors is more valuable as a player. It's obviously Jordan Poole, but Warriors would love to keep Draymond. And that's where I get to this. What should Golden State, or dare I say the NBA, do? <sighs> it, it seems like Golden State's going to do what they have been doing. That's give them a good little fine. Or my favorite from Chris Bersarver was suspend him some preseason games and then like a game for the regulars. Are you stupid? Like, where's to suspend this dude without pay? For preseason? Man, come on. Stop that. That's stupid. That that's that's not a slap on the wrist. That's playing the that's if the if the person playing the roles tiniest violin pokes you or punches you in the face. You're not gonna feel it or even know what even happened. I man, I think the NBA should do something if if the Warriors do not, but here's what my worst thing about this is, and I'm kind of mad. I know how sports works. I know how stories work. I know how hype works. And what's going to happen is he might get fined that we may not hear about the amount. He might, you know, something might have been done internally, but I ultimately view this as a nothing cheeseburger, and I hate it, because it shouldn't be. But after saying what I just, after all that, that's what, that's what's going to come down to. It's not my words. It's theirs. That's. That's the actions of these sports teams. They don't care. Unless you're a woman who got punched in the lights out, obviously with the Ray Rice thing. The fact that the Warriors tried to keep us in the house originally and they knew dang well what had happened, nothing's going to happen. Why would it matter now? Because of PR. Okay, well, good. Find them. Great. Find them 50,000 bucks. Get over with it. And then we never talk about it again. And then it's sickening. That's how sports works sometimes, friends. Hey, I talk too much. When we come back, um, how else are MLB wildcard slash DS storylines, including the Phillies, the Mets, and the Guardians in 15 innings? Wow. And plus college football. We're playing a game called Around the Nation. I'm next on Top 5 Tuesdays. Don't go anywhere. The AM Drive with Mike and Aaron might be the best morning show ever. If you love the show, shop the merchandise for $26 hoodies, $16 shirts, even $13 mugs. High quality swag for cheap because Mike and Aaron love the fans. The best morning show, the lowest price merch at AM Drive
0: That's Popple. Download our free app and get your Popple today. Aren't you the vice golf guy? Yeah. You want an autograph? Uh, yeah. Actually, I was just wondering if the balls are any good. The balls are amazing. You look like a pro plus guy. I thought you'd never ask. It's actually better than my old ball, and it's half the price.
1: Top performing golf ball, half the price. almost stealing.
0: Quit searching the globe and get your high-performing golf balls at At vicegolf.com.
1: Fanatics.com, the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues, teams, and players you love. Shop now and get today's special offer. Fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. Welcome back to this Top 5 Tuesday. If you're watching live or the video on YouTube, what's up? It's your boy in the flesh. And if you're listening, thank you as well. Our show is presented by Fanatics. If you want the best in sports merchandise from your favorite players, teams, and leagues, you've got to go to MikeAndAaronDrive.com and click the F. That's right. You probably said it with me. Click the F as a Fanatics logo. When you do that, the entire Fanatics experience, is at your disposal. Today, they're having another daily deal of 65% off. Yesterday was code Dr. Pepper. Today, it's code SMORE. That's S-M-O-R-E if you don't live in the South. I'm kidding. I'm sure that's a Northern thing, too, but you get it. But, yeah, get your postseason merchandise, man. got Phillies, Padres, Braves, Dodgers, Guardians, Mariners, Yankees, and Astros. And the two that stick out to me are the Phillies and the Mariners. Like, I'm just, I'm shocked. Like, how, how many Phil, I don't know Philadelphia fans are like kind of emotional or very emotional. What's up, Scooter? I just feel like the Phillies were like very low on their, on their team. And they snuck into the playoffs and like beat, they beat my dark horse team. I'll be honest. Like, they, I had the Cardinals at 16 to 1. As my fifth-best team after our final rankings, and they got beat. I think it was like two games, too. Like, Phillies didn't play around. And you know how how teams do when when they get hot. And the Seattle Manors had actually cooled off, and now they're back in there, and they got to play the Houston Asterix, the footnotes, if you will. Well, let's get into it. As I mentioned, the Phillies advance past my Dark Horse Cardinals. Um, They're going to face the Braves as punishment, for, as reward for that. Today, actually, at 1.05 in the afternoon, Eastern time, which is just a weird – that's one of the stupidest times for baseball. Like if baseball wants to know whether marketing sucks, how about playing a playoff game at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday? That's, that's dumb. Like, even the NBA is smart enough to make it at nighttime – so if I'm coming home from work, it actually makes a difference. Now, great that I work nights, it doesn't really matter for me. But most people work like a 9 to 5. And 1 o'clock afternoon games are, are just not it. It's just not. Especially for the West Coast. Are you kidding me? The New York Mets, if I could just take my Colts hat off here, and if we could just have a five seconds of silence. And I, I listen, I love you, you Mets fans, you. But guys... The Padres looked like frauds until so they played the Mets, who were bigger frauds. So let's take five seconds here of the utmost and most respectful silence to say another season for the Mets gone before it really even got going. Okay, see, see that one I could laugh at. I know like I, do, I smirk a lot when we do our five seconds of silence, and it's like, when a school shooting happened, so I was like, a silence, and here I am just smirking. I assist the way I, we look with our, with our hats off. <laughs> I'm just so used to seeing it. But that being said, um, you know, the Mets lost, and that's not good. The Padres, if you guys remember the loyal listeners and watchers of this show, and thank you again for tuning in. A couple of months ago, I said to Aaron, especially after the, the um, Padres had acquired. Um, That, that dude um, from the Nationals, godly thing we talked about for a whole week. Anyways, it'll come to me. But it's funny that I, I, said, I said the Padres are in their division, and if I'm the Dodgers, that's what I'm scared of the most. Well, Padres are in the DS now, and they, they play tonight. Now, this past Saturday, see, those games happened on Sunday. This past Saturday, in 15 innings, like, that does not happen especially when it's a one-to-nothing game. But somebody named with the last name of Gonzalez, in the bottom of the 15th inning, for the Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, for the Guardians, blasted a home run in Cleveland off of, get this, Corey Kluber. If you know anything about Cleveland baseball or, or baseball at all, Corey Kluber was an ace for like eight years. Like him and Chris, not Chris Sale, but he was just a a, a a maestro. He was a conductor. He was everything you could want in a pitcher, a strikeout king for the Cleveland, what was known as the Indians. And then he comes in for the fifteenth inning, strikes out one guy, and then gives up the fifteenth inning blast. I mean, he had to end sometime. But if you're like, as an organization, you you don't know it's like. Like with the Seahawks getting rid of Russell Wilson right now, that was like a genius move. But like when the Guardians got rid of Corey Kluber, like you ask yourself, why? Why don't they want to pay him? And I was thinking he didn't do well this I didn't watch a lot of Rays baseball, but it's interesting how he comes into this game in this moment and someone blasts a home run off him. I know it happens, but it's still very crazy his former team did it to him to eliminate him. That's just insane to me. And Rays were a dangerous team. Not anymore. All right, let's play a new game. It's called Around the Nation. It's going to be a Tuesday, or Top 5 Tuesday, pardon me, tradition. We're talking about the biggest stories in college football, and even some of the stories that you might not hear on ESPN and Fox. You're welcome. Your boys at AM Drive got you covered. Around the Nation presented by Fanatics. Click the F at MikeAndAaronDrive.com. So Alabama fell to number three in the AP rankings. And this, of course, comes after Texas A&M nearly pulled off another upset. Like, Texas A&M has not been in the SEC very long. I think, like, what, 10 or 12 years? And I've seen Johnny Manziel almost do it to him twice. This year, Jimbo Fisher was in, like, a, a just an argument. Like, him and Nick Saban were firing shots back and forth from one side of Texas to the other side of Alabama. And you're like, well, you know, one of these guys might get blown out. And they're, blown well and behold, Alabama, they're the number one team, which made no sense to me because it's not like Georgia lost their games. But here's the thing. Alabama did not even play Bryce Young. Because that day-to-day shoulder lying bull crap that Nick Saban said is probably like a little bit worse than what he said. So Bryce Young, by far your team's best player, probably. Well, I say probably, but yeah, it probably is. He probably is your best player for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Did not even play. And they still got a win. All, I think it was in it was in Alabama, but it's like, dude, I'm surprised they dropped him too I I'm shocked. Maybe it was because Georgia beat Auburn the way they did, but Auburn's not good this year. I told you guys that. I thought Auburn could cover 30, but I mean, lost by 32 or whatever. And Ohio State, which I'll get you very shortly, they beat a, a bad Michigan State team. Like, what does that do? How about this UCLA? Yes, the Chip Kelly Bruins are now 6 0 after they spoiled Aaron's Utah pick. So UCLA, their Bruins senior running back, their running back Zach Charbonnet, who came from Michigan for two years and has like rushed for a thousand or twelve hundred yards last year. Well, he's going crazy again. He had 198 rushing yards in this game and a touchdown. Might be a top two, top um two rounds draft pick, depending on how things fall. But he looks like he's he's a beast. Tennessee, who won at LSU and the aforementioned Ohio State who won it at Michigan State, both beat down conference rivals on the road. I'm more shocked that LSU got beat down because, I mean, I'm telling you guys all this talk of Brian Kelly, who's not related to Chip, by the way, which, you know, it's whatever. Anyways, Brian Kelly, you know, this almighty, you know, person from Notre Dame, and I'm like, guys, he's not that great. Like, every time he played a, a very good opponent, Notre Dame got smacked around. You can blame Catholics. There's a lot more Catholics in the world than people think there are. And to just excuse that as a we have a higher GPA here, who gives a crap, dude? You guys never came close. Even Cincinnati beat them last year. Like, come on, man. And I'm not saying Cincinnati's a slouch. This notion that Brian Kelly was going to, you know, come in there and pick up right where Orgeron left off, but no, not even close. Brian coming, this game was not competitive. Tennessee killed him And Ohio State did the same in Michigan State. CJ Stroud in this offense, listen, I hate saying him. I don't know if CJ Stroud's any good. I-, I like to think he is. But everything's wide open for them once again. Um, how about this? Oregon. Remember that time in Oregon about six weeks ago was smacked around on national television like 49 to 3 by Georgia. Um, the number one team in the nation. Oregon is now five and zero ever since that moment, and they've drawn to number twelve. They beat Arizona on the road. I want to give a shout out here to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, which is a again one of the weirdest last, last nickname I've ever heard. But there's like the the, the the Akron Zips. There's the you know raging Cajuns, which is actually kind of cool. Nothing tops the um, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. I feel like chance sounds like a body part. I don't I don't know why, it just sounds like a like a, like a dirty word. And I never understood like why my brain thinks that. But it's like the word CH nts which is like what their acronym is. Yeah. Not a fan, but anyways, go cool score a line of six and oh again. Grayson McCall's playing well. Okay. Iowa lost another game where their defense came up less than 10 points. This is a true story. They lost six to nine to Illinois. Nice. No, but seriously, I I've never seen a team like especially in college. Like in NFL, you might see like a, a look at the Cowboys right now. Like they don't even have to score anything to, to win games. But um yeah, I will I've never seen this before. Like they've had, like three games this year. Leave it all out like less than 13 points. They've lost all three. I'm like, what the what? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so my other thing I want to mention here, and I'm going to try to not butcher, butcher this name. What's going to happen as around the nation continues or concludes here. So Pittsburgh beat Virginia Tech pretty handily. Kadam slowest their quarterback transfer from USC was horrible once again. But this is a real stat line. This is not from from the new NCAA football game, which oh by the way I wish EA Sports would announce already. So this obviously is not from that. But junior running back from Pitt, Israel. Anaconda. A-B-A-N-I-K-A-N-D-A, Abinaconda, I don't know, I'm just going to call him Anaconda. He ran in an ACC game for 320 yards and six touchdowns. That, that stat line, you'll see like 250 and four. Very... Uh, this might be the first time I've personally seen that stat line. 300-plus and five more touchdowns, and he got six. This is not this is not. receding. All on the ground. That is unbelievable. I do to look at this guy more. I'll try to mention to Aaron um, after my show. Well, after my show. My show. After the show's over, I'll text Aaron and ask him about it. But this, Hey, man. Israel Abinaconda, 320 yards rushing. Six rushing touchdowns. That does not happen very often, if at all. When I come back, Top Five Tuesday will be in full swing. I'll talk Chase Briscoe on the NASCAR playoff controversy, but also our top five college football teams, top five NFL teams, and we'll take us home. Right back to the AM drive. We'll wrap it up next. The AM drive with Mike and Aaron. Might be the best morning show ever. If you love the show, shop the merchandise for $26 hoodies, $16 shirts, even $13 mugs. High quality swag for cheap because Mike and Aaron love the fans. The best morning show, the lowest price merch at AM Drive.
0: That's Popple. Download our free app and get your Popple today. Aren't you the vice golf guy? Yeah. You want an autograph? Uh, yeah. Actually, I was just wondering if the balls are any good. The balls are amazing. You look like a pro plus guy. I thought you'd never ask. It's actually better than my old ball, and it's half the price.
1: Top performing golf ball, half the price. almost stealing
0: with searching the globe and get your high-performing golf balls at At vicegolf.com
1: fanatics.com the world's largest collection of officially licensed fan gear from all the leagues teams and players you love shop now and get today's special offer fanatics.com officially licensed everything That was horrible. <laughs> Whoops! If you host a podcast or run a small business, it's hard spreading the word. It's actually hard doing it, as you can tell. Friends want to check it out, but chances are they might not. Switch so time to help them and help you grow your brand with Popple, P-O-P-L. Popple is an easy-to-use, high-tech digital business card. You can get your Popple using the code AMDRIVE for 20% off your order, set up your links and share. And don't worry, the person you share with will not need a Popple or the Popple app. So it makes it that much easier, just pop their phone. So when you get your Popple in keychain, pop socket, credit card, or any other form, enter that code AMDRIVE, in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off on popl.co. You can also visit our other great sponsors, including that one at Mike and AaronDrive.com. It's not very often I get to talk about NASCAR on the AM Drive. And I'll leave it to the top five Tuesday where I'm by myself to do so because Aaron would like Aaron would probably leave. <laughs> but there's a controversy in NASCAR right now. It's pretty big. And I I'll say it again, I it still amazes me. How well NASCAR is marketed this year. Like, there's literally a thing called NASCAR Twitter, which I did not know until this morning. And I'm a big NASCAR fan. But I'm so glad that this thing continues to grow. And the controversy is not only just about safety, which by the way, anyone who doubts the NASCAR or their safety is just going to be a problem. No one's died on the track. If I'm not mistaken, it says Dylan Hart Sr. Back in like what, 2001 or 2002, or wherever that year that that happened, like you can flip multiple times and get released from the care center within like like two seconds. Like they're insanely safe. I just think they screwed up this year because they experimented with a new car for the entire season. Now, for those of you old heads, I'm 25. I shall be 26 in nine days. Wow, am I growing great? No, I'm kidding. For those of you who are like my age or around the same age or maybe older, in 2007, they have this thing called Car of Tomorrow, which ended up being debunked like a couple years later. But they took the original stock car, in like eight races out of the year, they raced the COT car, this new cool-looking need for speed-looking thing, and it worked. You know, that they, they could figure out what was going on with it. But this year, I... I love the look of the current-gen car. It's just, why would you just throw them into the fire like that, man? It didn't make any sense to me. But Let's get to why I'm actually talking about NASCAR today. I just had to bring that up. At the Charlotte Roval, there was, the NASCAR playoffs would be narrowed down to a field of eight. It starts with 16, goes to 12. Then it's going to be down to eight with, like, four races to go. And it's really incredible the way they've done this. I love the playoff setup. But that being said, Chase Briscoe and Kyle Larson were like kind of tied for the points, the eighth spot. Kyle Larson, of course, the defending champion, who's a little bit controversial if you if you know what I mean, you woke left. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but Chase Briscoe, who oh, by the way, I've been a huge fan of since I saw him in the in the mixed um, fantasy series. I don't know if it's called this fantasy series anymore. It might, it might still be this fantasy series, but whatever it was, I t- I told people I made like a Twitter video a long time ago. Like, oh, Chase Briscoe, he's a very good driver, and once again on a road course, he showed up. Now, the cute thing about this was his teammate Cole Cluster, which is a great name, Cole Custer. Drives the forty-one car, and Cole Custer. According to his own words, said he had like a, a tire problem, and obviously they've had tire problems all year. But Cole Custer, you know, looked like he brake checked Kyle Lawson and, and Austin uh, Austin Dillon, who was driving the three car. It didn't look great, or not. It was Austin Dillon, somebody else. Because Kyle Lawson wasn't in that picture, but you get it. If if um if Chase Briscoe made this pass by these two cars. Not including Cole Custer, he would be into the playoffs like officially. He already had a tiebreaker, but this was like, like giving him some brownie points, right? So he makes the pass. And as he's making the pass going into the turn off the speedway, Cole Custer randomly gets like my break checks. And Dale Jr. immediately on the broadcast, I don't know if he realized how much of a controversy he would have caused caused, but Dale Jr. said, Oh, Cole Custer blocking right there for Chase. Here's why I don't like that. I did not watch this full race, full disclosure. Like complete disclosure, I did not watch this race, and I'm mad at myself for that because NASCAR's been great this year. But there is no way on a road course you can plan that perfectly. Maybe they thought, "Hey, Cole Custer is," I guess the situation, but you have to be a first of all a really quick thinker, and also. You have to make it be believable, but this notion, like people in the comments of like certain tweets, have like opened this up to me. That Hendrick cars and Gibbs cars have done this a lot. Like the cream of the crop in NASCAR, those guys have brake checked before, were kind of blocked. And I don't know where this notion came that you can't, yeah, you know, the teammates can't be teammates. Like I know it kind of it's not always, really, maybe it's not supposed to help you on the track as much as it does, like in like in the inner infield where you work on your cars and figure it out. But this like, look at Talladega. Like, guys work together all the time. So why wouldn't it be working together to, oh, break check? It wasn't dangerous. It was not a dangerous move. And to me, they all say it again. Chase Briscoe was moving up, according to people in the comments, he had the fresh tires, and it was like five or six laps to go. And, and you could see he was moving up the field very fast. Like, he made the, the double pass easily. So I don't think Cole like like made him a problem. But NASCAR is now going to investigate it and look at team communications, man, save yourselves. Because then they say it's not going to affect the the round of eight which Chase Briscoe ultimately made. It's stupid. It's just to make a couple fans feel better about themselves, mainly Kyle Larson fans, and I understand that. Now I'm telling you guys, to watch NASCAR, I love this Chase Briscoe guy. Lovely, he got into the round of eight. Lovely, he made the playoffs in general. Getting to the round of eight is just really good. Shows his early, early talent. He's in the 14 car. And to be fair, no disrespect to Stuart Haas Racing. Um, That's not the fastest car on the track every week. So good job for Chase Briscoe. Okay. Enough about NASCAR, right? Redneck's turning left. Ha-ha. Even though I just talked about a road course, but you guys get it. Top five college football teams presented by Popple. Semi action has stayed the exact same. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, and Clemson. Aaron has also stayed the same. Alabama won. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan in the top four, and USC at number five. My top five college football teams have also stayed the same. Georgia. Ohio State, Alabama, USC, Clemson. And I'll be honest, Clemson was kind of what was about to move up. But USC, what they're doing right now, it's not just the overachieving aspect of it all. Like Caleb Williams did not have the greatest game against whoever they played. And like they still won pretty easily. thanks to Travis Dye, the running back. So they showed they could win the mock it up kind of game. Remember next week, USC – Plays Utah, who just got beat by UCLA. That should be fun for the Pac-12. As for top five NFL teams, there is a change in Sammy's list. Chiefs, Eagles, and Bills are your top three teams. But moving up are the Cowboys, and moving up are the Ravens. Those two teams were not ranked last week for Sammy. As for Aaron, he also has a couple changes at the bottom of his top five. Aaron's got Chiefs, Eagles, and Bills. Vikings have moved up from number five to number four. And the Cowboys, who are not ranked, are getting recognition in the top five this week. And as promised, here's my bonus top ten. My number ten team in the NFL are the New York Giants. Number nine, the Minnesota Vikings. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. Him force feeding against the Eagles was not a force feeding Justin Jefferson was not a, I was wasn't a fan of. Number eight, the Dolphins. And I maybe I'm crucifying them too much for not having Chua, and I think Chua will be back. We'll see. Number seven, the Buccaneers. I'm furious at that game, and I'll say it again. That is a terrible call, a terrible couple calls that extended Tom Brady's drive twice. Number six, a team I'm 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 back on the 49ers. I picked them preseason with Trey Lance to get to the Super Bowl. Number five, the Cowboys, who are staying in my top five. Um, the Cowboys, well, I mean, the Cowboys were not ranked last week, so you get it. But I believe Cowboys are, are are getting to a point where they're going to be a top ten defense of all time. I don't know what the numbers of that are, but if Cowboys can, especially if they beat the Eagles, and oh my lord, Cowboys fans will be insufferable and rightfully so. Number four, dropping down to number four are the Eagles. I don't like their second half, their second half this year. Sorry. They they were down fourteen nothing to the Jaguars. Then they barely beat the Cardinals. Come on, man. Number three, and this is, of course, I'm nitpicking because they're they're a really good team. And I, I love Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts and that whole team. Number three, moving up a spot, are the Baltimore Ravens. Now, last week, these teams switched spots. This week, they're flip-flopping again. Ravens, to me, show they were the best in the, NFC, in the AFC North. When they beat the Bengals, I, I told Sammy, I, I didn't feel like the Bengals were really close if Lamar makes some routine throws, they win by 14 or more. And both Justin Tucker helps. Number two for me, the Bills. And number one, Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's gonna do it for me. This has been on Mike City first slash chop five Tuesday here on the AM Drive. Tomorrow is Jambalaya Wednesday. Aaron will be back. He'll give his recap of NFL week number 5. We'll also talk game 1 of the AL and NL DS. Those games happen today, obviously. And we'll preview the NHL and the NBA. Those sports are coming up quick, which means top by Tuesday might have some more fun in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for tuning in if you did. Please remember to go to mickenearandrye.com. And tune into our show every Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. It's for the best sports talk from every sport. We get all the big stories right here, and we have fun with it too. You guys don't want to miss it. Also, this Friday, I will be back on the Wager Wire live stuff. It'll be fun. Um, we had a bad week last week, and and I'll be honest, I was tired. Thankfully, I was tired because we were horrible. Well, I was horrible on my prop bets, but yeah. Wage your wire live via Twitter at amdrive.tv. You can also find us, all of our socials, all of our good stuff on MikeAndAaronDrive.com. I don't want to take any more time than I already have. You guys have a great rest of your day. I'll see you tomorrow. And as always, drive safe. Have a good one.